This week's podcast brought to you by Mini Golf, putting the fun back in funeral. I was with our eight-year-old daughter and she said, Mom, what if there was a play and no one went to watch it? I mean, all of the actors and actresses would put so much time in rehearsing and what if no one came to watch? Would they still do it? And I assured her that at least their friends and family would be there to watch. Sing says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane Well, this is exciting and something new. We rarely open our podcast. I don't think we've ever opened our podcast with a with a disclaimer or a correction or a kind of a pharmaceutical company sort of, um, you know, boilerplate. This is what counts as exciting for our podcast, is that word? Legalese, yeah, but I'm going to do that now. Um, and I'm going to read... I'm going to read uh, Directly from the horse's mouth, this is from Jim Eubanks. Dear Stephen Rebecca, this is Jim Eubanks, Dick Number 1, from Tom, Dick, and Harry. Of course, our house band and players of the theme song you just heard. I enjoyed your most recent episode, 91, and I greatly appreciate you debuting our new song, In White Castle. However, I feel I must set the record straight on a couple of things. Rebecca, now we, we played Tom, Dick, and Harry's new song, In White Castle, at the end of our last podcast. That's right. That's right. But Jim wants us to know, one, Tom, not I, was the lyrical genius behind White Castle. I gave Jim credit for the lyrics. In fact, my brother Tom is the lyricist on, on this one. Jim writes, I was merely the musical genius. I think I speak for the entire band when I say I'm proud of Tom's efforts on this. The lyrics to White Castle are still prominent, prominently displayed on our refrigerator. That would be Jim's refrigerator. Well, he and Tom a... don't share a fridge, right. as far as I know. Right. Two, the title of the song is In White Castle, not Knights in White Castle. I changed the title at the last minute when I realized, to my horror, that there are not one but two individually conceived eponymous spoofs of Knights in White Satin on YouTube. One of them, inexplicably, has over 77,000 views. In the name of original music and artistic integrity and the collective TDH ego, please encourage your viewers to listen to our song on YouTube or your favorite music outlet. That song is In White Castle by Tom, Dick, and Harry. Lyrics by Tom Russian, music by Jim Eubanks. We my, have that my, straight? Yes, you got that straight. My big question is, how does Jim know that he's dick number one and not dick number two in the band? Like, have they settled that in some one of their rehearsals or something to decide which guy is dick one and which one is dick two? I don't, I don't know. We'll have to ask Tom. Well, that takes care of this week's paperwork. And with that out of the way, you had to do some paperwork this week. I did. Well, first, if, if people all of a sudden are wondering if it's raining at their house, they can probably hear. It's pouring rain here. And uh, you might be able be picking up the sound of the raindrops at, and as part of this audio. It's but very anyway, soothing. It, it is very soothing. Or people might have an uncontrollable urge to take a nap. Um, I thought you were going to say use the bathroom. Or that. Um, but yeah, I had some paperwork to take care of. I My birthday is in a couple of weeks, and I realized because I got paperwork in the mail that my license is going to expire. 
right in the middle, actually, of the WNBA finals. My my license is going to expire, and obviously that's important so that I can fly places and drive and that sort of thing. So anyway, I went to get my license renewed. And I haven't been to the DMV in years because as members of AAA, you and I are both members of AAA, um, we can go there to renew our license. So I went there. Fortunately, the line um, was not long. There was a gentleman in front of me. I don't know. I would guess he was in his 80s, maybe. He was renewing his license, renewing his wife's license, even though he said she no longer drives, but she does need some form of identification. And uh, so as he was up, you know, doing paying and doing his kind of paperwork, he turned around and saw me talked to me for a little while, you know, big Yukon fan. And then when he walked over to the waiting area, said really, really loudly to, I don't know who, because... Just announcing to the general population yeah, there? just whoever was there. Guess who's here? Rebecca Lobo. And, um, and he I... He didn't was, say a 6'4 center from Southwick, Southwick Regional High School. <laughs> no, he didn't. Um, so at that point, when he announced me to, I don't know who... Um, I, it was my turn at the front of the line, and the woman working there just looked at me and said, I'm sure you love that. Um, but the the interesting Did thing— Did you have to burst through a paper circle like in a high school football game? <laughs> I should have. That would have been terrific, held by the cheerleaders. Um, but then the, the, the woman working there offered up to me that there's a very uh, famous actress who um, also gets her license renewed— at um, at that particular AAA. So that was interesting up in the, the northern hills of Connecticut. So anyway, so then I go and I sit down in this small waiting area. That's, you know, everything at the AAA office, whether, you, you know, there are people there booking vac- vacations, there's people there buying insurance, but there's no offices, there's no closed doors, there's not even cubicles, there's just like randomly placed desks and tables. So anybody can hear anyone's conversation. So I'm sitting in the waiting area, and this this gentleman, who's at least in his 80s, um, gets a phone call. At least, call. so possibly his 90s. He could have been. Gets a phone call from, I believe he said, his grand granddaughter. And I don't know if his phone was, I don't know if it was FaceTime. I don't know if it was on speaker or if he just had the volume turned all the way up. But I could hear clearly his end of the conversation, but I could also hear the woman he was speaking to loud and clear. And I'm sitting, you know, a few chairs away from him in the waiting area. And so he says to the his granddaughter on the phone, a granddaughter who's... Uh, you know, in her 50s. Yes, a grown adult. He said, uh, guess who's here? And then he said, Rebecca Lobo. So I'm just sitting there and I can hear, of course, again, both sides of the conversation. So I hear her say, who's that? <laughs> And so then I'm in the uncomfortable situation of sitting there as he is describing on the well, phone and for everyone in the DMV to hear. You didn't you didn't rip the phone out of his hand and say, who is that? Who, That's who, me. Who are you? And uh, and so then as he, he's. How he's, dare you? One of the things he said to describe me, he said, she's got to be as he's looking at me, looking me up and down. I'm sitting in a chair. She's got to be six, seven. And so I just look at him and put up four fingers and said, um, six, four. It's too and, bad you uh, weren't six, one, and you could have held up one finger. <laughs> and then he follows that she's, up with, She's got a way about, how much do you weigh, Rebecca? <laughs> and, then, and then he continues by saying, well, 
she could eat peas off the top of my head. And I'm thinking, can this get any more uncomfortable? Did he he add any day? (laughs) Any day of the week? And so he's having this loud conversation. So there was a woman in line behind him. She could eat peas (laughs) off off my head. Yes. This is in line at AAA. (laughs) Yes. Well, now we're seated. Now we're in the little seating area. So then a woman who had been behind him in line comes over and she says to him as he's having this loud conversation, she like taps him on the shoulder and she points over to where you get your picture for your license taken and said, it's your turn. Get over there. And uh, this is not somebody who knows him. And he said, oh, I'm sorry. I'm talking to my granddaughter and and her children. And the woman um, and the woman said to him, none of us want to hear that. (laughs) Like she's scolding him as if she's his wife, telling him it's not appropriate for him to be having this loud conversation. And he's holding up the line. So it was his turn to get over there and have his picture taken. So, um, so anyway, all that being said, it took for me to get my license renewed, a new picture taken, the whole deal that's going to be mailed to me at some point. It took all of 20 minutes. I was only in the AAA for 20 minutes. Can you, can you imagine going to a DMV and having it only take 20 minutes to get your license renewed? And this was just for a $6 fee. So, um, but think, well of all worth, the, think of all the hijinks and anecdotes that came out of those 20 minutes. If you would... Do us the the favor of spending three hours in line at the DMV, and for all I know, the DMV only takes twenty minutes now. Also, Who we knows? don't know. Who, I, I'm I sure don't they've know. Made it's been years since there. I've been there. But, but uh, think of all the stories you could get. Oh, but I wouldn't have had this particular story, which was um, just lovely. Today is Labor Day, and we were driving um, this morning. I was still using my old license, but. Uh, As we were driving along, we saw a parking lot with a sign that said parking for mini golf and funerals. Yes, that's correct. It was because on one side of the street, you had a mini golf course and then across the street was a funeral home. So the sign next to the mini golf, which was um, it was just one of those mini golf courses that has like the. Clown's mouth and the windmill. Yeah, that that kind. <laughs> and so you saw the sign, and and we drove by too quickly for me to get a picture of it. Um, although I tried parking for mini golf and funerals, and I was just trying to think. Um, I I wonder if that is the only sign of its kind in the country. Do you think there are other parking lots that share those um, two businesses, or you know what are some of the oddest couplings? Um, that you can see I've when never, you're I've driving never, along. I've never seen any odd shotgun couplings of businesses that shared a parking lot. But, and that wasn't even what I was thinking. I was thinking that I would love to incorporate, and it, it'll be your job, I would love to incorporate mini golf into my funeral. You would like to incorporate mini golf into your funeral? I would. Okay. I'll um, I'll figure out exactly how that's going to happen. Can we? Does it have to be the funeral, or could it be the wake not to be too morbid about it, I'm just thinking of this since you brought this up. You know how in mini golf, the ball goes irretrievably into the hole at 18? Right. It's a metaphor right there for the funeral. Okay. So you want me to incorporate mini golf into your funeral. All right. Challenge accepted. Whenever that happens, hopefully it's not for many, many years. Can you do me a favor? And not incorporate mini golf into my funeral if for some reason I go first. You have my is that word. Is a deal? 
<laughs> and everyone listening, this is this is like a valid contract because we're in agreement on this. So you don't want you don't want to emerge, pallbearers to emerge through like a the open mouth of a of a hippopotamus, <laughs> safari golf style. Um, no, because if not, I'm going to have to scrap a commission that I've made to a paper mache artist. <laughs> You, so you've already commissioned the things for my funeral. Um, yeah, no, no golf clubs, no golf balls, no, uh, no colorful golf balls. What else do they have? No, although I'd be okay if people had um, tiny pencils with yeah, no erasers. Yeah, tiny pencils with a little. In which cards. to write a remembrance. Sign that's the guest book. What, that's how we'll we'll do yours. That's how we'll incorporate it. We'll put those little tiny pencils and those the golf cards in the pew, assuming we can find a Catholic church to say your funeral mass. Who would be willing to, to have me in their <laughs> sacred space? Yes, I'm so glad you brought us down this road. <laughs> I didn't bring us down this road. You, you're the one who I, brought I, up all I did was ask. mini golf and funerals. If, if, if in, well, if which sounds like a great like Tom Waits song. Or if something. any of our listeners want to let us know the oddest couplings they've ever seen, whether in a parking lot or elsewhere, they know they can send us a tweet at Ball and Chain Pod, or they can send us an email at. Ball and chain pot at Gmail, I believe. Yeah. But but who? But my question is, who has ever seen an odd coupling of parking lots? Parking lots are are, are seldom. I mean, sometimes there could are even sh- be like. Oftentimes there there might be two businesses that are across the street from one another or are next to each other, even if they don't share a parking lot. That are an odd coupling. I think that that that's not an uncommon thing. It was just the sign for the shared parking lot but that made this extraordinary. You're bearing the lead because on that drive off the Cape as we drove through Sandwich, Massachusetts, we passed a sandwich place in Sandwich whose marquee read The best sandwich in Sandwich. I like that. Did you like that? I, I did. What was the van that we were driving behind the other day? You did have me take a picture of that. That um, was an electrician's, electrician's van, van locally here in Connecticut and the professionally lettered Sign on the back of the on the back of the van said, "The sign said, qualified to remove your shorts." So does that make you more or less likely to hire that electrician? Does it make you more likely because it's kind of clever and interesting and and funny, or does it make you less likely because I don't know? Well, the, the, that whole that whole phrase, "qualified to remove your shorts," is in quotation marks, and that that's sort of the. Um, quotation mark irony that Sam Farmer's brother liked to do fresh in quotation mark meets right. that sort of means the opposite right so you think that means the opposite that he's not qualified to remove your shorts yeah I don't know I'm just I saying. just know it's a variation on the classic and timeless electricians bumper sticker that says electricians do it without shorts right and while we're on the subject of of words and uh, not really wordplay so much as just pronunciation of words. We had this conversation in the car the other day. Caribbean Queen was playing on the radio on right. the 80s on 8. And I said that when I was a kid, we were a Caribbean household. In other words, we pronounced it somebody was vacationing in the Caribbean. You were a Caribbean house, right? I was, but actually how you said it was... Does anybody call it the Caribbean except in Caribbean Queen? To which our our 13-year-old said, yes, Pirates of the Caribbean. 
And and that's when I said our family, and and probably not just my family. I think it might be a regional thing here in in New England. We did not call it the Caribbean. We called it the Caribbean. Of course, none of us had ever been there. I still and haven't been there. You know what? Neither have I. No, actually, you have. We went on a cruise, but we forgot about. Oh, we've that been there. Okay. A couple of years so, ago. so um, so yeah. So I st- I called it the Caribbean, and I still call it the Caribbean. And strangely, I also call it the Caribbean. I was just saying that I grew up with Caribbean. But but I think you've I think you've 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 stated your case with Billy Ocean, right? And Johnny Depp. And and well, Johnny Depp long before that, the Disney ride Pirates that spawned the movie franchise. So then, clearly, based on those two examples, that's how you say it. I'll have to ask somebody who is from there how you say it, because of course that's the best way to know, right? Sure. Well, as we move on, last week on the podcast, I mentioned that it was my week between Phoenixes, which means this week is. A Phoenix week. I'm headed out shortly to uh, to fly to Phoenix for one of the last couple remaining WNBA games of this season. All of the eight playoff teams, we know which, which eight teams have made the playoffs. We're just waiting to figure out which teams are going to finish where. And um, it's a very exciting time of year for the WNBA fan. And, uh, you know, again, there's still a week left in the regular season as we're recording this podcast. Washington has been playing the best basketball in the WNBA for most of the season, but especially lately. Connecticut Sun, to me, are playing the second best basketball in the WNBA. Um, but the Las Vegas Aces, the LA Sparks, both capable of winning championships. Diana Taurasi hasn't been playing, or I shouldn't say hasn't been playing great, hasn't been shooting the ball great since she came back. Um, from her time away for injury. So I'm not quite sure what um, Phoenix's chances are, but um, but it is a great time to be a WNBA fan. For those who aren't aware, um, you know, for the first couple rounds of the playoffs, um, it's a single elimination game like the NCAA tournament. So a lot of different things can happen. It's not until you get to the semifinals where, you know, the teams are playing a five-game series. So for those who like the WNBA and are watching, thank you. And for those who are interested in watching great women's basketball or just great basketball, this is a good time of year to tune in. And it's a great time to be married to a WNBA analyst because you'll be gone frequently during the during the coming month. And we will probably have to patch together somehow a Tuesday podcast for release on Wednesday over the next four weeks probably. Somehow. There's... um. Last year, the WNBA season ended a month earlier because of the world championships. And so I was home for most of September and all of October. And there's nothing worse than the question our son asked me last week. Our son and I share a birthday. And he asked me last week, are you going to miss my birthday again this year? And the answer is yes, I will be gone. I think it's WNBA finals game three or game two. I'm not sure which. So I will definitely be gone on his birthday. Um, and it's, you know, a few years ago I was gone on his birthday and his um, birthday is also your birthday. Right. Right. And it, but I don't care if I'm gone on my birthday. It tears me up inside to be gone on his birthday. So his birthday is also the day that his New York football giants host the Minnesota Vikings at MetLife stadium. That's right. So perhaps that's a birthday present for you and him and his siblings. (laughs) I'll be gone and there'll be no one to watch them. But, um, but anyway, yes, that's uh, that's never the question I like to get from from any of our kids, but in particular him. Uh, are you going to be gone on my birthday again? Yes, sweetheart, I will. 
But your mother was almost always gone on your birthday, was she not? <laughs> right. My parents, my parents never missed a single birthday. My parents were teachers, so they didn't travel for work and uh, other than the eight-mile commute to their schools. So my parents never missed my birthday. Did your, your parents, parents, as teachers, no doubt, honored your birthday, your siblings' birthdays, and the birthdays of their students, I'm sure. <laughs> Probably. Almost certainly. Did, did your you, parents— Yet you. Yet I what? <laughs> <laughs> Don't even go there. Did your parents— um, Ever miss your birthday? I'm sure my dad did on occasion. He traveled a lot, but he always made a point of around my birthday, my birthday is in September, of taking me to like a, a Minnesota Golden Gophers football game. Mm-hmm. Tony Dungy as quarterback. Would it be just the two of you or would your siblings go No, as well? just the two of us. Oh, that's lovely. So maybe you, just you and our son go just to the, the He would also play Just the Two of Us team. by Grover Washington Jr. as we would drive to <laughs> Memorial Stadium. Blaring with the windows yeah, down. It was, even it was like a it was soundtrack September. to the movie that was my life. Right. Well, um, yes, we'll have to do something special. You on the day and me sometime around the day, I will have to do something special for our son's birthday since I will not be able to give him a hug or a present in person. And in fact, I'm doing something. I'm doing something. My siblings and I are doing something special for my dad's 85th birthday, which was this summer. But this coming week, we're doing something special for him. And and, uh, perhaps we can talk about that next week on the podcast. Well, this this actually makes me think one of of my bosses at ESPN, who's no longer there, a few years ago, I was calling a game, a WNBA finals game on my birthday. And I got this email from from my boss, somebody I would never normally hear from because he was high enough up in in the company. And I just got an email that said, um, happy birthday. I hope you're, you know, doing something fun for your birthday or something like that, which, of course, meant he had no idea it was the WNBA finals that day. And so I remember responding, thank you. I'm celebrating with my work family for game four of WNBA finals or something. But the poor guy tried to do something nice, and all all it did was show that he had absolutely no idea what I was covering, and that it was like our biggest moment of the year but, that day. But it's appropriate as we record this on Labor Day that um, that your boss was oblivious to your personal work circumstances. Exactly. Well, and uh, he's no longer there, but he he's he's off to a better place. He is alive. Just he didn't, off to a he didn't have place. a he didn't have a mini golf funeral. <laughs> he did not have a mini golf funeral, though. Not a not a mini golf funeral, <laughs> but a mini golf funeral. There's a difference, and I want to make sure you know the distinction when it's time for me to buy okay, the so farm. So you do not want a small funeral on a golf course. You want a miniature golf. I want a large funeral on a miniature golf course. <laughs> Can we can we actually do that? Maybe they're, they're this, probably— This, by the way, this supersedes my previous wish expressed on the podcast <laughs> to have me cremated, put my ashes in a confetti cannon, and fired in the face of my top five ever-shifting list well, of enemies. you can do both. You That's can true. do both. And how great would it be if we could find a mini golf course that had a chapel and then the, the priest— if we could get him to come out to the mini golf court, course, could um, do the service there. I mean, absolutely. Then it, it I have sounds... my, my headstone, which says, "I'm posthumously correcting your grammar." I am. Um, I'm so glad that we went back there because I, I didn't think such, I, didn't, I don't it think it was such gold I, I earlier in the podcast. I didn't think we. I'm so glad we revisited. I didn't think we had fully explored it. <laughs> you were right. I was trying to make a dovetail with the WNBA playoff discussion, but and, and my former boss, I, I think he worked it in seamlessly. 
Last week on the podcast, I asked you to promise me that you would replace the 9-volt batteries in our smoke detectors because I had opened the game drawer, the, the drawer where we keep the, some of the kids' games, and we found a smoke detector that had been put in there a couple weeks ago. Well, you did not do that, but I did. Um, I, I put the battery in the smoke detector, found where it went, replaced it. All was right in the world. I think I did that on Friday. And then on Saturday morning, we were awakened. As we always are, because they never chirp between the hours of 8 a.m. and, and 11 p.m. We were awakened by chirping. And, and not chirping of one of the smoke detectors that, I had, that was in the drawer that the battery I had replaced. Those and, were fine. And not the chirping of birdsong, which no. might pleasantly wake you up. Right. It was the chirping of a smoke detector. And so then... It was a whole new game was on, and it wasn't one of the games in the game drawer, but it, it was. was. The, it was the game of smoke detector Marco Polo that we've all played, where you go listen to the presumed source of the chirping. And I said to you, I said, I'm certain it's that one down the hallway in our upstairs. I'm certain it's the one in the middle of the hallway. Right. I hear it coming from there. Of course, that's the one. So I stood on the desk chair. Underneath Underneath it, it for five solid minutes, and only you- to hear it chirp. Well, no, even better. You you stood there for five minutes, then came back to our room for something. And when you came back to the room... Then it chirped. Then it yes. chirped. In mockery of me. Yes. And so you the went back... The chirping of a mockingbird. And so you went back, stood under, stood under it again. For a small eternity. And I think that's when... It, in the distance. It, it, in, in, that in one some did distant, not chirp. In some distant county. Distant land. You heard the chirp. And I heard you realized, the chirping again. Uh, the one you were standing under... Was of course not the one that so, was chirping. So I I drag the chair to the one that I now suspect it's coming from. Wait five minutes, and then I hear the chirp, mocking me from some other distant land. And I repeat this for the next ninety minutes, only to find, ultimately, that the chirping was coming from our teenage daughter's bedroom, who was somehow sleeping through it with her door locked. And you said to her. Did you not hear the, the chirping, chirping of the smoke alarm? Of the smoke detector. And she said, and I quote, I was wondering what that was. <laughs> she wasn't wondering uh, long enough. But so, uh, so, so I, I, anyway, I, I tweeted about this, this game of smoke detector Marco Polo. And several people said, well, s- several people pointed out, of course, that it only happens at between 2 and 3 a.m. Right. It was a little later than that for us, but it never happens during the daylight hours as far as I know. Several people said that their dogs are terrified of the chirping. That's not the case with ours. No, it? fortunately. She, she, she also slept through the chirping of the smoke, smoke detector. Several people said this is why you replace all the batteries at once, which seems to me uh, a waste of batteries. But It does, because... What if that battery still has quite a bit of useful life left in it? And the thing with a 9-volt is not like if you take it out, there's a whole lot of other things you can put it in to use the rest of the life of the battery. So we'll just continue to play our smoke detector Marco Polo. This gentleman said that it, that the smoke detectors chirp every five minutes with a low battery and then every one minute as the battery is closer to dying. That's, that's not the case with ours. That's certainly not the case with and who ours. And would, who would wait? Who could, who could abide the every five minutes? And decide, you know, I'm not going to change it until it's chirping every one minute. That would drive you nuts. What is it? I don't know. I think most people would have already done what you did, and that's just put it in a drawer. Well, I. I Either way, it, it, but all it, but of it, our it, smoke it, detectors, it, the one that there were, the ones that were in the drawer, and 
the one that was chirping in our daughter's room. They have all had their batteries replaced. Our house is safe as far as that is concerned now. And um, until at least, I don't know, a day or two when one of our other smoke detectors starts to chirp. And it, and it gives me the pleasure, the only pleasure in replacing the smoke alarm batteries of, of, of licking the 9-volt battery to test its potency. Do you still do that? Absolutely. It's I, the only... It's the only there's nothing enjoyable about that. I haven't done that since I was a kid. The first time somebody said to try it and you got the zap on your tongue. I haven't done it since then. It it, it makes me feel. <laughs> okay. It's the only thing left that makes me feel. <laughs> okay, good to know. Should we get to viewer mail? Let's get to viewer mail. Big bad book, throw our lure. Reel us in with your viewer mail. Uh, this comes from uh, a Jeff in Windsor, though Jeff himself says, Jeff in Windsor is so boring. I'm in L.A. a lot of the time. Do we yet have a Hollywood correspondent? Uh, we had the Holly Rowe minute, but Jeff, you could be the Hollywood. No, we cor- can't let Jeff be the Hollywood correspondent when he's in Windsor. He's not in Windsor. There's he's in L.A. a lot of we have, we had, we, Let's I mean, let him just Sam be Farmer. Jeff. Sam let Farmer. Be Jeff from Windsor. Sam Farmer is our resident Los Angelino. Right. And he, he's sort he, of our Hollywood correspondent. But no, but, but, he, he no, no, but Sam sign. isn't Sam is not he's not he's not giving us the, the scoop on what's going on in Hollywood. Well what if I want the scoop on what's going on in Windsor? Then what's you'll drive to Windsor. Windsor. I don't want Jeff, I don't want Jeff to dim- diminish Jeff, all I'm, the people I'm, who live in Windsor. Jeff, I'm overruling. You can be the Hollywood correspondent, okay? Yeah, okay. Okay. But let's get to his. This is let's, let's read his mail. I want okay? him to be the Windsor correspondent. Steve, I got a little busy and didn't make it down to Middletown. I did a book signing in Middletown, Connecticut, at Wesleyan University, which would which would place Jeff presumably in Windsor and not in Hollywood. Imagine but, that. Go but ahead. anyway, I got a little busy and didn't make it down to Middletown. But I do have a question. I know from another writer friend that pre-ordering books is really helpful for authors. I did that with your book. Thank you, Jeff. Had I made it to Middletown, I would have brought it with me. Do bookstores have any sort of policy about that? I do admit to guilt every time I order something online. I'm definitely contributing to the death of brick-and-mortar bookstores. You know, do, oh, do bookstores mind if you bring your own book into is is it, is it like bringing uh, snacks into the movie theater? Is this the question? He's asking if they mind BYOB. BYOB. I they do, do they? I certainly don't. And you have my permission to do so. And you're not contributing to the death of, of book brick-and-mortar bookstores. You're contributing to the life of books. Thank you for buying the book. And you know, uh, thank you for anybody who checks it out of the library. I mean, this is all contributing to the... And I to bet the, uh, most people who go to a bookstore for a book signing, even if they bring their own book, there's a really good chance... Bookstores are one of those places that when you go into them, you generally come out with something that you I weren't expecting. Yeah. So especially if somebody's going to a book signing, bringing their own book, there's a decent chance that they'll purchase a book while they're while they there. Or at least there. see a book so that the bookstores would like that. That interests them for down the line, right? This comes from Tom. Tom, not not my brother Tom, but uh, another Tom. Tom writes, "Dear ball and chain, dear ball slash chain, I apologize for touching on multiple topics here and stretching out this email to an impractical length. But in the spring and fall, we stockpile podcasts to give us something to listen to on the seemingly interminable drive from St. Louis to Cleveland, parentheses, which, as you no doubt know, is on land that once was part of Connecticut. What? Cleveland was? I have no idea. It's news to me." Not that I've ever taken time to search it up, as our son would say. Right. Uh, when we take our daughter back and forth to college, there's only so much meaningful father-daughter conversation you can have in a nine-hour drive. Don't we know it? So we appreciate your help getting in through 
getting us through Illinois and Indiana. But because of that, I've been exposed to multiple podcasts over a very short period of time. So here we go. Ah, how timely. As a native Angelino. There you go. We have another Angelino. As a native Angelino, it always warms my heart to hear people speak fondly of my hometown. So I enjoyed Steve waxing affectionately about Dodger Stadium, a frequent destination for my brothers and I in our youth, and Steve's savoring the lyrical quality of our street names. I do love the street names. You do? Love them in Los Angeles. In fact, I was expecting him to break out in a rendition in a rendition of the 1947 not so classic unless you're from Los Angeles song called Pico and Sepulveda by Felix Figueroa and his orchestra, actually Freddie Martin and his orchestra, which sets some of those names to music. And in fact, he encloses a link to YouTube song Pico and Sepulveda. And it's quite catchy, I should say. It is quite catchy. I've, I've only heard a little bit of Perhaps it. Perhaps so. Denny will play a snippet. So while of, people are on YouTube listening to In White Castle by Tom, Dick, and, Har- and Hari. They can check out Pico and Sepulveda Sof- by Felix Figueroa and his orchestra. If you're into Los Angeles street names, it's excellent. You also read a viewer mail from someone who referred to herself as a host at church, and you wondered what that was. This was just recently. Yes. For years, writes Tom, I was what we called the MC, Minister of Community, at the University Catholic Center at UCLA, which I'm going to assume is the same thing as being a host. I greeted the congregation before Mass and invited them to greet those sitting around them, which is how I met my wife. Well, there's a story. Interesting. Right? Yeah. He was presumably on the altar or at the lectern asking people to greet themselves or greet the people around them. Hopefully he wasn't asking them to greet themselves. Did she come out of the congregation and greet him at the lectern? I don't know. I don't either. Read bulletin announcements. Read the petitions. You could make jokes in the former, the bulletin announcements, but not in the latter, the petitions. Good to know. And made sure the Eucharist ministers and lectors were all on hand, that we had people to bring up the gifts, and that the collection got stuffed through the mail slot in the door to the pastor's office. It also required me to get to church well before Mass time, something that wasn't a given otherwise. You know, sometimes you get the tap on the shoulder yes. and ask, will you and your, you and your ragtag bunch of, of kids bring up the gifts? Yes. That must be what the host does. And when I was a kid, they asked our family to do that a couple of times, and it was like a fate worse than a... Funeral at a mini golf course. Because you were so so embarrassed, right? Tom's not done. Tom writes, before there was LAX, the TV show, you would, you had lamented the fact that there was no TV show set in an airport. And, and Billy Gallagher let us know that there was, there was a TV show called LAX. LAX. Well, before there was LAX, the TV show, there was San Francisco International, a 1970 NBC production that was part of one of those mystery movie type series with rotating shows. It starred Pernell Roberts in the pilot, though he doesn't say if he was as the pilot. Pernell Roberts was the oldest Cartwright brother on Bonanza, Rebecca. And then Lloyd Bridges when it went to series as the guy that ran the airport. It wasn't much of a series, but it did inspire a great episode of Mystery Science Theater 3000. Ah, awesome. MST3K. There you go. Uh, and there's a, there's a YouTube link to that as well, So as well as to uh, Pico and Sepulveda. 
Okay, Ralph is on my side. He writes, Hi, Restiva. It occurred to me about 10 years ago that eggs should be taken out of a carton from either end for the same reason as Steve did. You balance the carton. You take eggs out from either end, leave eggs in the center. I like to space them out on the corners. But whatever you do, you don't just leave them all in one end. Okay, Rebecca? I think you've conceded this point. I, I, I haven't conceded the point. I understand the point. I still am going to continue to do it my way until I have some sort of an egg accident. That has not happened yet. So I will still keep them in neat lines that are visually appealing. Uh, Laura in Dayton writes, uh, Hi, Stephen, Rebecca. I've enjoyed listening to your podcast and I've tweeted a few times, but found this an occasion to write an email. As I, oh, She tweeted you about her coworkers who sat on the same side of the booth as if they were on a oh, right. TV yeah, sitcom. That. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Laura writes, As I've listened to the podcast, I've noted the various books mentioned and, of course, those that Steve has written. This weekend on our annual Girls Weekend trip where we book an Airbnb somewhere random and explore that area, read and generally have fun, this year's random town is Maslin, Ohio. Of course, Maslin, Ohio, where babies for years and may still uh, get a football in the bassinet when they're born there, high school football uh, uh, headquarters. Out of all the books, I picked up a copy of Road Swing for this weekend, and to my surprise, Steve had stopped there on his trip. I did indeed. I laughed out loud as I read in Chapter 5 about Steve's time and description of Massillon. I can report that they are still very into their high school football team. Massillon, I should say, because she's now about to correct my mispronunciation of another town. For a total non-sequitur, last week, O-L-E-A-N, New York, was mentioned in reference to some shenanigans at St. Bonaventure. As someone originally from that area, now living in Dayton, I feel compelled to let you know it isn't pronounced Olean, but Olean. I have no rationale for why it is pronounced this way. That was me. I'm the one who said Olean, so it's Olean. Yes, Olean was the uh, the substance put into potato chips that gave... That was bad for you, but it, it was yeah. like a no-fat... The word leakage was, uh, was leakage part of was the symptoms. Yeah. So... Oh, Leanne. Okay, I'll remember okay. that. So if only Laura's name were Le- was Leanne. Right. You could say, oh, Leanne, thank you for the correction. Right. Anyway, also for some time now, writes Laura, I have considered what resident position I could apply for. I teach basic nutrition to preschoolers, adults, preschoolers through adults, and would like to apply for the position of resident nutritionist. I'm more than happy to supply melting meat recipes and many and many anything but chicken ideas. Thanks for your consideration. I would love some swag. We'll send you some swag, Laura. Um, anything but chicken reminds me that it is we're coming up on our fall ABC season when you're away and the kids request anything but chicken. Anything, well, I just said to you right after we're done recording the podcast, I'm going to head to the grocery store and get some things that are easy for uh, for you to feed the children. Okay, this comes in from Carly with an I. Carly with a K and an I. And you can figure out where those respective letters go. Steve and Rebecca, I'm a longtime listener of the podcast and a big fan of you both. I loved listening to the recent episode with Christine Lilly. I too, quote, played, she has played in quotation marks, I too played soccer for Anson Dorrance at UNC, tallying a lot less minutes and goals than Christine, but enjoying every second. As a walk-on, I had the absolute best seat to watch my incredibly talented teammates play the beautiful game, as well as learn from, in my biased opinion, the best to have ever coached the game. Uh, Certainly very few arguments there, Carly. I've now listened to every podcast episode and I've even gotten my mom hooked as well. Thank you. I just finished Knights in White Castle and was a huge fan, Steve. After reading Stingray Afternoons and Knights in White Castle, I'm now excited to read some of your earlier books. I still remember reading some of your articles in my brother's copy of Sports Illustrated as a kid. All the best to both of you. Uh, Carly, P.S. I'd love some swag. We'll send you some swag. Thank you for that. Uh, Rebecca, you uh, you did the interview with Christine Lilly. I, I just uh, listened. So this is all for you. The next 
letter comes in from Randy, and he said, Just finished Steve's latest book, Knights in White Castle. Amazing and honest work. You and your family and others contributing to your storytelling talents should be very proud. Thank you for continuing to connect me with the better parts of my own life experiences. When can I pre-order Enough About Me? Very best to you all, a Minnesotan in exile. Well, thank you, Randy. Uh, as a Minnesotan in exile, thank you. Um, Rebecca, did you hear he said connecting himself to his better parts of his childhood? or The better parts of his own life experiences. And, and, and all of the shenanigans that you decry as juvenile delinquency um, are, are other really, people's better parts. And, and mine, mine as well. Especially at, now at my age when I'm almost entirely aftermarket parts. <laughs> These were my better parts. They were some good parts. And I did, I did uh, make a half-jokingly in the, in the acknowledgments that, uh, that I've promised my family that my next book will be called But Enough About Me. So I have had a few people ask when they can expect Enough About Me. So I may have to sit down and start writing that. I think that's a great idea. Our, our last uh, uh, podcast viewer mail comes in uh, to uh, ballandchainpod at gmail.com from, and it's been a while this summer since we've heard from our, our resident OBGYN, Dr. Gary Siegel. Uh, hello, Dr. Siegel. Dr. Siegel writes, Dear Rebecca and Steve, what a pleasant surprise that you've placed the Ball and Chain logo onto your Gmail account so that when I type your email address, the logo appears. Kudos to whichever of you was able to figure out that bit of technology. It certainly wasn't me, Rebecca. It wasn't was it me you? either. It must have been a, a Denny production. It was neither of us, so there you go. Uh, last week's podcast was a gem, gem among so many jewels, and I would like to continue on the theme. Maybe laying it on a bit thick, but I, well, I which, like it. Which podcast is I don't know, about? and I would like to continue on the theme of hijinks, oh, youthful hijinks, that may or may not have happened when we were all younger. So plausible deniability for Dr. Siegel on this. During a weekend youth group convention at a summer campground, writes Dr. Siegel, my youth group chapter, we were divided into chapters by sex and grade, of around 20 16 or 17-year-old boys may or may not have run through may or may not have run through during dinner the dining hall wearing only tennis shoes and masks. <laughs> Wait a minute. Who ran through the dining hall wearing only tennis shoes uh, and masks? A group of around 20 16 or 17-year-old boys uh, at this uh, youth group <laughs> summer campground. <laughs> oh jeez. <laughs> I, 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 if he had just said a, a tennis shoes mask and a hairnets, at least the, the <laughs> lunchroom would have still been usable. That was known as streaking, and I may or may not have participated. Similarly, I may have been put on a school bus pronto along with my chapter members back to Atlanta. <laughs> Were they at least allowed to dress before they got I, on I, the I certainly the, hope not. I'm sad, that that bus. I, <laughs> I'm sad that I personally never had fun with a fire extinguisher. However, one viewer alluded to drinking and other non-family activities in which he may or may not have participated as a teen. Trust me that many non-family friendly activities did occur in the second floor classrooms of the Atlanta Jewish Community Center. <laughs> <laughs> More youthful indiscretion, writes Dr. Siegel. Once in college at University of North Carolina, I was proud to be a member of Tau Epsilon Phi, a mostly Jewish fraternity that had the expected statistics for such a group in the 70s. Poorest intramur intramural sports record, best GPA. We may or may not have had psychoactive, psychoactive substances, both legal and illegal, within our domicile. My memory is a bit spotty on that last point, but somehow a few of us were Phi Beta Kappas and got into medical school, law school, MBA school, PhD programs, etc. Two viewer males from grads of North Carolina. How about that? Well, teen hijinks certainly were part of my grown children's earlier years. For instance... When our then 16-year-old son arrived at home before curfew, he admitted to having consumed only two beers. I replied, 
This isn't a blanking beer commercial, son. Fast forward 15 years, we were cleaning out our home before downsizing, and I found an empty six-pack of Newcastle beer in the storage eaves outside of the bonus room over the garage. I've attached a picture for edification, and here is a six-pack of empty Newcastle brown ale bottles. From his 16-year-old son who claimed to only have two. Storing them in the eaves uh, of the bonus room over the garage. Now I'm going to check the eaves of the bonus room over the garage uh, when the kids are older. I was going to say, hopefully we won't need to do it yet. I've not had a chance to start Steve's new book as I'm reading Dave Barry's book celebrating his 70th birthday. It's full of boyish humor. That's his trademark genius and heavy with stories related to dogs. Uh, Always great to have a book recommendation. He is among my favorite humor writers, although I think he doesn't have the grasp of trivia, vocabulary, and wordplay that Steve does. I I bow to Dave Barry. Um, Congratulations to Tom, Dick, and Harry for a great new song and for the addition of the horn section. Lastly, keep up the great work and ask Mike Golick to stop by to replace the smoke detector batteries when he changes the filters. Timely as today's podcast. Anticipating. He does not need to stop by because I was able to do it. All the best, Gary with two R's. Thank you, Dr. Siegel. Do we have any other business? We have to thank Denny with one N Gallagher. We hope to get in basement very soon. Yes. And uh, and thank once again Tom Dick and however or Tom Parry and however many dicks in the band for uh, In White Castle. And should we have them play us out with In White Castle one more time? Of course. Oh yeah. Let's have them play In White Castle one more time. Music by Jim, lyrics by Tom. Waking from a deep and restful Tommy Two-Tone 